Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Praise the Lord for his word. So let's look at verses 1 and 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. I don't know about you, but when I read that, it made me sit up and take notice. Paul is reminding believers, that's us, believers, that we were once spiritually dead. Because of our sinful nature, we were followers of the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, namely Satan. Now, if we receive Jesus, he gives us the right to become children of God and to receive the gift of eternal life. Being born a child of God is a spiritual rebirth after our physical birth. It only happens to those who trust in Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. To those who believe, God marks us. In Jesus with a seal, and that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's a deposit. It guarantees our new life and our certain inheritance. Jesus himself explained about being made a new creation by the power of the Holy Spirit in chapter 3 of John's Gospel. You remember when he was speaking to Nicodemus, he said, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So Jesus is making it absolutely clear that we are not spiritually alive until we've received the Holy Spirit. 
In John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whoever receives my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. We pass over from being dead to being alive through faith in Jesus. And we have eternal life from that moment onwards. My life, it changed suddenly when I was saved. All of a sudden, I could see and understand things that I couldn't understand and see before. I was indwelt and sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that was the beginning of transformation in me and in you, brother and sister, too. It's, it's that moment that we trust in Jesus that he begins to change us. And so be encouraged, wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, remember what Paul confidently declared to the church at Philippi. In Philippians chapter 6, verse 1, Paul's words are, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. So we are works in progress. And what we're transformed by is the incomparable power of the Holy Spirit that we read about in Ephesians. So be confident. Be confident in the Lord. We don't need to be confident in ourselves, but be confident in the Lord. Now the word sin actually means to miss the target. If you were, if you were shooting arrows and you missed the bullseye and you had to hit only the bullseye, you've missed So it doesn't matter how close you are, if you haven't hit the bullseye, you've missed. And that's how it is with God. God is perfect. He's holy. That means he's set apart from sin. And that's how he made man. If we look back in Genesis chapter 1, the triune God said in verse 26, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And verse 27 continues, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them. So, what follows from that? Well, logically, if we've been made in the likeness of God, we should be like God. We should be holy. We should be set apart from sin. But if we're honest... Every human being knows that that's not how we are. Through Adam's disobedience to God in the Garden of Eden, we've all inherited that disobedience, that desire to do wrong. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 summarizes it very well. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And James chapter 2 verse 10 explains, if if we had any doubt about this and we, we... As we were perhaps in the world before, we might look at somebody else. Well, James chapter 2 verse 10 says, Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So we've got to remember who God is, he's holy, and who we are. By our inherited sinful nature, we all break God's law. And so we're all spiritually dead, just like the non-believers around us. Until we receive Jesus. And that's really helpful. It should humble us and stop us from feeling self-righteous. So if we go to verse 3. Paul reminds us here. All of us also lived among them at one time. 
gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. At one time, we lived to satisfy the the natural sinful desires of our flesh. We were slaves to our flesh, slaves to sin. And Adam was warned that if he disobeyed God and he ate fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he would surely die. He ate the fruit. So then sin and death came into the world. And all of us are descendants of Adam. And we've inherited that sinful nature. And the consequence of sin is death. And then there's judgment. God hates sin. He's just, and so he must punish sin. God's judgment on sinful man is based on truth. His wrath is his righteous anger. And so the default state is to be objects of God's wrath, destined for eternal punishment in hell. But if we trust in Jesus' blood for the forgiveness of our sins, everything changes. Earlier on in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. We've just been reminded of this as we've taken part in communion, that it's Jesus' blood that cleanses us. He bought us back. When we trust in him alone, we're purchased back. He's paid the price that had to be paid. And it did have to be paid because God is just. And it means our sins of the past, the present and the future are paid for. So verse four is the turning point in our passage today. Although, as we've seen, we were objects of wrath. Verse 4 begins, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace that we have been saved. Because of God's great love for us, Jesus died for the worst and the least of sinners. And we've already seen that all sinners, all sinners, it's as if we've broken all of the law. So, We all would have to pay the price. But Jesus has paid the price for us. That's what mercy means. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's why we should pray to the Lord every day so that there's not a barrier between us and him. Of course, he's forgiven us our sins, but we are still sinful people and we will sin less. And it was a great reminder that Sarah gave that we really should pray to the Lord every day and read his word every day. But what it does mean is that we can trust in the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from all of our sins. And that happens the moment we're saved. Jesus is the only way to the new covenant uh, we, we read about that last week in, in, the, um, in the service. That this eternal covenant was made between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Before the creation of the world, a plan was made for our salvation. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. So we can confidently say, through the blood of Jesus, I am sanctified. I am made holy. I am set apart to God. 
All of a Christian's sins are forgiven and forgotten forever by the only being in the universe who has the authority to do this, the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12, the Lord says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Do we fully understand this? Jesus loves us. Blood-washed Christians here. Jesus loves us. He loves us as we are. He took the punishment for our sins whilst we were still dead in them. And he makes us alive in him. So we can really, with our hearts full, full of love and thanks for the Lord, thank him for what he's done. And actually, he's the one who gives us peace. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Paul wrote, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's even more good news. Jesus has not only paid our unpayable debt to God, but instead he credits to our account what we don't deserve, his righteousness. He lived that holy, good and perfect life that we can't live. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 22. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 5 verse 9. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified. I'm made righteous just as if I'd never sinned. So this is grace. Grace means undeserved favour. God's giving us what we don't deserve. We don't deserve our sins forgiven and we definitely don't deserve to receive Jesus' righteousness. But we've been qualified for this, for this inheritance by someone else. Let's just go a few pages forwards in our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. So Paul encouraged the believers at Colossae and he said, joyfully give thanks to the Father. So it's the Father God who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. That's Colossians chapter, 10, uh, chapter 1 verse 12. And then the next two verses explain this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Titus chapter 3 summarizes this very, very well. Jesus saved us, not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour. So that, having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. So let's go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, and we look at verses 6 and 7. Mm -hmm. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Something that strikes you here is that Paul, when talking about our futures in heaven, he writes it in the past tense. God raised us up and seated us with him. So that that tells us it's already been accomplished This triune God who, before the beginning of time, made a plan for our eternal salvation, this eternal covenant. He's already done what needs to be done. So once we're saved through faith in Jesus, God has actually already raised us up with Christ. We've been resurrected with Christ. We have a resurrection to come, but we've been resurrected from our old lives. So we've died to our old selves And we've risen to new life in Jesus. And Jesus is very practical. He explained this very clearly to his disciples. They were were concerned. At the beginning of chapter 14 in John's gospel, Jesus said, don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus is going to bring all the believers who've ever lived to be with him in heaven. We have a place prepared and kept for us in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Once we're saved, Jesus promises to never leave us or forsake us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus confirms, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, he can be anywhere. We've, we've talked about this. There's been wonderful children's talks. Jesus is omnipresent. So he is in the heavenly realms and he's with us at the same time. He's with us here right now. So in a supernatural way, we are with Jesus in the heavenly realms whenever we meet with him. That's very hard for us to get our heads around. But that's what the scriptures say. How about verses 8 to 9? For it is by grace you've been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This is so helpful, isn't it? As human beings, we can want to do, 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 but Jesus has done. Romans chapter 3 verse 22 says, Righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. doesn't say works. So we're justified, we're made righteous by faith, not by works. No one could justify themselves by keeping all of God's law all of the time. By law, we're all guilty and we'd be condemned. But instead, there's grace. God justifies us and forgives our sins all through faith in Jesus. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is being fully sure that God has the power to do all that he has promised. And he gives us that sure and certain hope that he is faithful and true. And so we can have absolute confidence in his promises including our salvation we can't take any credit for it because that 
two, our very faith is given by grace, by God. But boy, can we say thank you. So let's go now to verse 10 in our passage. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In this passage this morning, we've seen what God does in our lives. He mercifully forgives us our sins and graciously gives us his son's righteousness. This incredible exchange. We're not worthy of it. He's chosen to do it. We say thank you. We've seen how he does it. He gives us faith in the blood of Jesus and his resurrection. And Jesus saves us by his amazing self-sacrificial love. Think about it. He's the creator of the universe. And yet he chose to humble himself in the form of a man. To take punishment that none of us could take for all the sins of all people who've ever lived. It's humbling, isn't it? So then the next question is, why did he do it? What's the point of our lives? The world out there is asking this question. And obviously, as Christians, we want to ask this question. Well, verse 10 shows us that we've been created new in Christ to do good works, to do the things that God planned in advance for us to do. Everything about our lives, God knows intricately. He places us where he wants us to live. He gives us the gifts that he chooses. And he even allows trials and difficulties in our lives so that we trust him more. So that we grow in faith. So all of this is so that we can take up opportunities. And he uniquely gives each one of us opportunities. We're all different. And he gives us these opportunities to serve him. And all of us can share the gospel and we can share our testimonies of what the Lord has done in our lives. We can serve Jesus by loving and serving one another, his body. And these good works are our response to Jesus's love and our obedience to his command for us to love one another. Ultimately, all the good that we do gives God glory and that tells us really what our purpose is in life we've been made new to glorify the Lord and it's in him that we're now made alive truly alive so we're going to sing our last song now amen Um, number 5